Hello, Text Talkers. Edwin here. I have a brief announcement before we get into the actual episode today. Andrew and I just want you to know that in order to make sure all episodes post on time and without missing any, we have to record these weeks in advance. That's why we don't talk about any current events, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Since we never know what the state of things will be on the day the episodes actually air, we just focus on the text we're talking about. However, we want you to know that we are obviously aware of the state our communities, country, and world is in. We are not ignoring or dismissing it. We are concerned. We are praying for you, for all our brothers and sisters, and for our fellow man in this difficult time. That being said, what better thing can we do while we and our families are practicing some social isolation than to talk about God's Word? So, keep us in your prayers, and we'll keep you in ours. And let's get today's episode started. Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to Text Talk. We're excited about our episode today as we're continuing in Acts chapter 9. Edwin, what is our text? I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 31. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Hey, man, we're, we're looking yesterday at uh, Ananias and Ananias. the good work he did <laughs> in our last all episode. all the way back to yesterday. Yeah. Well, you know, like everyone else, hopefully you have slept since then. <laughs> so anyway, we were talking about the idea of reputation yesterday and how the reputation of Saul of Tarsus preceded him. Where did he forge that reputation, Edwin? Where did he earn that reputation? In Jerusalem. Yeah, so what we, what we didn't read, but but maybe you read if, if you've got Acts 9 there close to you, is that Saul of Tarsus... He's converted. He's baptized. He's a Christian. He starts preaching. He preaches so much that he has worn out his welcome in the city of Damascus. They have to sneak him out of there. They put him in a basket. They lure him down a wall because people want to kill him. And of all the places he goes, he goes back home to Jerusalem. He goes back at least to where he'd come from. He goes to Jerusalem. Now to say, uh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I tell you what, that is really a statement when it says the Christians did not believe he was a disciple. He is trying to join himself to a church, which is what a Christian ought to do, be a part of a local church. That is not the dispute that a Christian needs to be part of a local church. The dispute is, is he really a Christian? The dispute is, is he really a disciple? How do you come back from that? How do you overcome a reputation like that? 
You need somebody who's going to believe you. You need somebody who's going to be an encourager. You need somebody who's going to come alongside you and speak on your behalf. What you need is a son of encouragement. You need a Barnabas. That's exactly right. You need a Barnabas. He had earned that name from the apostles in Acts chapter 4 by being generous beyond imagination. When he saw a need of his brothers and sisters in Christ to have food, to have supplies, he sells land. He sells land. Takes that money, lays it at the apostles' feet. That was an incredible sacrifice. It was so uplifting. They call him the son of encouragement. He is embodying encouragement. It's exciting to catch up with him again. We said this a couple episodes here in Acts 9. We meet some new Christians. We catch up with some others. What's Barnabas been doing? Well, evidently, he is still serving the Lord faithfully. He's in this church in Jerusalem. He's willing to take a meeting a lot of those saints wouldn't take. He'll sit down with the former persecutor Saul. So, interestingly, we, we see here that earlier in Acts chapter 8, we were told that everybody except the apostles left. The apostles stayed. We recognize that Luke was speaking in generic and general terms, somewhat hyperbole, exaggerating, because here's Barnabas, who is still in Jerusalem as well. Uh, or he came back. Right. So even that statement in Acts chapter 8, when it says that everybody left except the apostles, I think is probably supposed to be an exaggerated statement. It, it's highlighting the fact that the yeah. apostles stayed. The church doesn't go from 10,000 to 12. I think that's exactly the right. point. So there are some that have stuck around. Barnabas is among those, it appears, or at least he came back to Jerusalem. At this point, though, at this point, the church is growing. Sure. Uh, there, there's more here than just the apostles that are with them. The church has been having impact on folks. But remember, the last time Saul was here, he started a persecution that sent all of our friends, some of our family, away. And now this guy's coming back. Right, from the perspective of the Jerusalem Christians. Yeah. yeah. Now this guy's coming yeah. back and saying, oh, no. I'm one of you now. Won't you please let me know where it is that you're assembling so I can join you and worship God with you? I, you know, I think if I were a Christian at that time, I would have remembered a fellow named Herod that had told wise men, as I'm hearing this story, oh, yes, let me know where Jesus is so I can worship him. We know what he was about. I, it makes perfect sense to me that these guys are concerned. But Barnabas, somehow Barnabas has learned what the kind of man that Saul has become. Barnabas knows what he did in Damascus. So maybe this is evidence that Barnabas had fled and came back as well. But Barnabas, Barnabas knows, and he comes in, and he lifts up Saul in the eyes of the apostles and lets them know, no, this is, this is sincere. This is real. Listen, you've got the same test with Barnabas that really you had with Ananias, which is, I'm afraid... It is a reasonable fear, but faith says, I go talk to him. Faith says, I reach out for the sake of the Lord. It's a, it, it is a test. I don't know a better way for it, but I mean, I really see it as a test. What do you believe about the gospel? Do you actually believe it changes people? Mm. Do you actually believe that someone can be converted and transformed, that old ways are done away and all things become new? Because it is a moment like this that puts it to the test. I mean, here's Barnabas and here's this church saying, um, when we bring him in, we're going to find out. 
we're going to find out if the gospel changes people like we say or not. It's so interesting that you bring that up. And I think it's interesting coming from you, a friend of mine who has written a book highlighting and talking about our friends in the Islamic faith. Yeah, the book is called Night and Day. Yes, and you can... (laughs) Okay, not going to do an advertisement. But... uh, And we will shamelessly plug it in the outtakes. (laughs) I've heard Christians say, you just can't trust a Muslim who's become a Christian. You just can't trust that they were actually converted. Comment on that with your experience. Well, I'd be glad to comment on that. And I I point people back here to a passage like Saul of Tarsus. Um, Here you have an individual who was a persecutor of the faith, a militant persecutor of the faith. Here you have an individual uh, who, who was doing it out of best intentions and sincerity. Here you have a person who believes they're doing it in the name of God. And you line all that up, and the gospel of Jesus Christ moved him and changed him. He is the one who wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1 that he is the one the Lord has chosen as as an example uh, to be saved of those who believe. The foremost of sinners. And it really gets back to our faith in the scripture and the power of the word of God. If Saul is who he says he is, if Paul is who he says he is, then yes, the gospel is for anyone. And even if there is a concern or curiosity about someone coming from a Muslim background because of the doctrinal tenets of that faith, because of some of the things written in the Quran, um, the gospel is power enough because powerful enough, it is truth. It is truth. Uh, you know, I think some of the people that have expressed uh, fear, I guess, about that or concern. They're watching the six o'clock news. They're watching uh, this, you know, Islamic militant organization, that Islamic terrorist group. Uh, I always remind everybody, don't attribute everything you see on the news to your Muslim neighbor, or your Muslim coworker. Get to know that person and find out what they really believe. But fundamentally, it, it, it's a faith test or a gut check, everyone to call it for a Christian. Do you believe the gospel is the power of God to salvation? Do you believe it changes people? Then that's what you bring to people. That's what you bring to people. And even if a person was the militant Muslim, even if the person was the terrorist, the gospel can change that person as well. Absolutely, it can. And the gospel can save that person as well. I'm not saying that we be foolish and throw caution completely to the wind. Certainly, Barnabas was able to bring Saul's actions in Damascus to bear as a testimony. And yet, do we believe the gospel is that powerful? Romans 1 says it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It does not matter how they spent their earlier days in life. Everyone who believes can be saved by the gospel. And Saul, who becomes Paul, is the, ex- is the example of that. Barnabas also serves as a bridge. He is building the bridge, inviting Saul of Tarsus uh, into the congregation, him and the leadership. But I mean, it, it's a Barnabas that has to vouch here. I believe this man is really converted. Let me tell you how he's an encouragement to the congregation, though, as well. As you rightly pointed out, Edwin, some of these same people in this church at Jerusalem had suffered at the hands of Saul of Tarsus. Um, Their family members had as well. And even if you were sold on the power and truth of the gospel to convert someone, to change someone, 
the gospel's got to work in you right now too to be able to forgive to be able to accept him into fellowship if he's really converted that's only half of this the other half is can i get where i need to be to call him a brother who has sinned against me and hurt me so badly. And Barnabas was there when all that happened. Yes, he was. We, we saw him in Acts chapter 4. That's right. We know he was already a Christian. We, we don't know what happened specifically. We may speculate a little bit. Did he flee and come back? Did he stay in Acts chapter 8? We're not sure. But i tell you what we do know. We do know in Acts chapter 4, he was there. He was a Christian among the Christians. And so when this persecution started, when Stephen was stoned, Barnabas was there. And he experienced this among the Christians, the ravaging of Saul of the Christians. He was there when that ravaging was going on. He was part of it. And he's the one that steps up and says, I'm going to be the son of encouragement. I'm going to be the one that, that sticks his neck out, that supports this, this fellow, this Saul who has come back as one of us. And I'm going to believe in the power of the gospel. I'm even going to take that to the apostles and, and say, look, brothers, we we need to be accepting him. That's right. What what an encourager. That's I need to work on that. I I need to work on being that kind of encouragement, that kind of support for people. I've not ever had to deal with somebody having persecuted my family or my friends and accepting them back. And yet sometimes I can lack encouragement for people who have done much, much less than that. I mean, that's that's the deal. We need to be coached up on reconciliation and cooperation, oftentimes within local churches, that a brother has sinned against us. Not saying that he hasn't, not saying that she hasn't. But how are we going to pursue uh, forgiveness and restoration of relationship. And again, it, it may take someone, a Barnabas, standing in the breach to counsel through that, to facilitate that, and, and to lead to that kind of healthy, healthy growth in the gospel, healthy growth in Christ. Let's wrap up with a prayer that we can be Barnabases. Yeah. That's exactly right. Our great God and Father, Lord, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the time looking at Acts chapter 9 together. And uh, these wonderful uh, brothers and sisters in Christ as we read the record of their deeds. Father, it is Barnabas who really stands out in our reading today as one who was embodying uh, this gospel, this message of second chances, that God, he was uh, trusting of Saul of Tarsus and instrumental in bringing Saul into the fellowship of the church, but also instrumental in, in bringing the church together. And we see, Father, how love and restoration prevailed, that Saul was a mighty minister in your will in that place, and that the church even came together to help him escape and save his life. Father, in our reading, we saw that you blessed all of your churches at this time and how that word had spread in Judea, Galilee, Samaria. We've just been uh, amazed to see, Father, uh, how when people share your word, others are hungering for it. They want to be a part of it. It is uplifting. And so, Father, I pray that you might use us to be sons of encouragement to those that we come in contact with today. Encouragement in your word, encouragement in your way, encouragement in Christ for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. 
Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. But I'm going to tell you, he is an encouragement in another way. He is an encouragement in another way. Well, I don't know we forgot to, do about to this. unplug the phone. You want to keep it running and we'll count down to it? I don't know. Yeah, just keep it running and we'll count down to it. We had been doing so well this week. Yeah, we had three, two, one.